Welcome to the Newsbusters podcast with your host, executive editor of Newsbusters, Tim Graham. Hello and welcome. We are loving the idea of liberals like Anna Navarro freaking out that their personal Twitter experience is being ruined by these right-wingers showing up in their feed. How could this be happening? I don't know the answer. I just kind of love the freakout. Now, we shouldn't take glee in other people's distress, but it shows you liberals don't really like having to listen or read contrary opinions. These people say they're the heroic fighters for democracy, but they just can't handle dissent. Obviously, in Anna Navarro's case, you can see this on The View where they can't tolerate an authentic conservative. They couldn't even tolerate Meghan McCain. Our lead item, the Democrat war on the Hunter Biden probe. Let's begin with an obvious point. No one is claiming that Hunter Biden is the gravest problem that America faces right now or the most urgent cause of public policy. So don't bite on the talking point that Republicans shouldn't try to press on the Biden family buck raking because it won't help Republicans. Did media organs like the Washington Post ever suggest, hey, Democrats couldn't obsess over the far right on January 6th and pass massive spending bills so they could drive inflation skyward? This came to mind with the front page of the Sunday Washington Post, top left, the headline, Hunter Biden allies set to battle accusers. Some urge counterattack defense as GOP prepares to launch investigations. This then winds inside the paper onto page A11, and there there's the bland headline, aiming to tell his side of story. As if these people haven't been telling Hunter's story? With Hunter's memoir? Jimmy Kimmel kissed Hunter's ass all over late night television. With Hunter's wife's memoir? Two network morning shows gushed over that. What we learned Sunday from Washington Post reporters Matt Viser, the Biden advisor, and Michael Shearer is that Democrat groups feel the urgent need for a counter-narrative. This is kind of hilarious, since they've all been throttling and bottling this up for two years until, oops, Republicans retook the House. Now, the Washington Post can't say out loud that they hate oversight and accountability when the Republicans do it. Is this partisan? Yes. You know, is it designed to damage Democrats? Yes. But so were the Democrat probes of Trump meant to do damage. But when reporters are Democrats and Democrats are reporters, they have a curious blindness in seeing partisanship in their own daily work product. Part of the description in this story by Viser and Shearer, one Democratic-leaning group, leaning? The Congressional Integrity Project has circulated a memo based on six online focus groups, arguing that swing voters already see the planned Republican investigations as political stunts, quote-unquote, 
intended to damage the president. See, they're already saying, hey, this will work, guys. Focus groups of voters are cynical. All right. Well, you're probably going to find that with the January 6th committee, too. They just didn't want to deal with that. CIP lists a set of phrases. It says Democrats and their allies, <clears throat> the media, should use against the House investigations, including power hungry, Trump playbook, partisan warfare, and MAGA Republicans. Yes, associate everything with Trump. We all know that's what Democrats want to do. Trying to get to the bottom of what the Bidens are doing can't be something that anybody other than Trump-loving MAGAites care about. Now, there is some internal dissent reported in here, but it stays anonymous. It's controversial. Some involved in these efforts argue that Hunter Biden and his pal Kevin Morris should stay out of the limelight so Democrats can focus on painting the Republican investigations as a partisan political exercise. No one thinks this strategy of putting Hunter Biden front and center is smart, said one Democrat. But he's not so confident he'll put his name on it. Now, I'm reading through this whole piece, and I, here's the question I have. Visor and Shearer barely mention. We're deep into the article before it's like, oh, hey, there is an ongoing criminal investigation of Hunter Biden going on at the Justice Department. The reporters certainly never mentioned the name David C. Weiss, the U.S. attorney in Delaware who's been on the Hunter case for years. You can easily guess and know that the media talked more about Robert Mueller in almost every hour in 2017 and 2018 and 2019 more than they've talked about David C. Weiss over the last few years. Not even Hunter Biden fanatics are going to know David C. Weiss. The Post has reported that Weiss's prosecutors think they can indict Hunter for several crimes, but that hasn't happened yet. This is not discussed daily in the media. But the Post had a big front page story last week with four bylines on mere subpoenas being sent out by Trump's new Mueller, the special counsel Jack Smith. With Jack Smith, they'll obsess over every motion and subpoena, but not anything that's being done by David C. Weiss. Now, our Mark Finkelstein reported that Democrat hack David Brock is in this grouping of Democrat leaners that are going to go after the Hunter Biden probers. Brock went on the Sunday show with Jonathan Capehart on MSNBC. Capehart's a columnist and opinion editor for the Washington Post. So see how all these posties hang together on a Democrat narrative? Mark noticed that Brock boasted his group would be a SWAT team. Excuse me? Isn't that sort of an unfortunate metaphor for armed conflict? Maybe we shouldn't be using braggy, gun-slinging terms? From the story, Brock's group, Facts First, is engaging with Hunter Biden and those in his immediate circle. In an October memo, Brock, 
founder of Media Matters and American Bridge, two influential liberal organizations, described Facts First USA as a SWAT team, quote unquote, designed to, quote, ensure that the media and public do not accept the false narrative that flows from congressional investigations, unquote. So basically they're saying any fact can't be Republican. Anything that flows from Republican investigations must be a false narrative. And you, you have to sort of laugh at them using the, the group name Facts First. I mean, is CNN mad they stole this title? Or would CNN be a little sad where they would say, um, this motto doesn't actually help you look nonpartisan? Are they going to try to say that every fact that flows from a Republican investigation is false? I mean, that's the spin here, I guess. If you had real fact-based reporters, they would deal in facts and not in liberal Democrat spin. The Washington Post continues, Brock has released a memo calling on Democrats to cast McCarthy's embrace of the Hunter Biden investigations as a corrupt bid to court favor with far-right lawmakers who support McCarthy needs to become House Speaker. He is so desperate to run the House, he is willing to burn it down, says the memo. Yeah, Brock said this also on MSNBC, that this probes a corrupt bargain with the mega extremists. There are no extremists on the Democrat side ever. The squad are not extremists. Brock always also was saying the Hunter Biden story is a nothing burger. And what the laptop really proves is what a great dad Joe Biden was. Well, define great. He was very supportive of his son, raking millions of dollars off foreign governments. That kind of great dad? Now, Capehart is obviously thrilled at this partisan warfare. The horn has been blown. But he wonders if it's like tabloidy TV shows he's watching, like House of Cards or Scandal by Shonda Rhimes. He's wondering, is Jim Jordan's body going to be tossed into the Potomac? When I, maybe I've been watching too many episodes because I've been I've rewatched House of Cards. You know, I was a big Scandal fan, so my imagination is very big when it comes to these things. When I see the word, the phrase going on offense, I go down some very dark, very dark and, and deep holes here in terms of what that offense could look like. How far Will you guys go to butt up against or rebut um, these investigations? Is it um, um, rebutting the stuff that comes out of these investigations, or is it focusing in on the people who are leading them and running them? It's both, but this is an offensive posture that we're taking here. Um, now, we're calling it facts first, but we all know, and, and we're going to have to cross every T and dot every I and always have our facts in line. But we know that in this environment, facts don't always triumph. So there need to be counter narratives. The hunter hater narrative is out there. It's been out there for three years, as I said, it's nothing new. But we need we need our own counter narratives out there and we need to educate the public and tell them what's behind all this. And so we're gonna go on offense. Are we gonna expose some of the Republicans on the committee? Sure we are. There's the threat. We're going to expose Republicans. Now, Capehart's tweet of Brock's segment was this quote. This is nothing but a bunch of recycled conspiracy theories, and they're going to hurt themselves, I think, by investigating this. 
This is the operative wishful thinking on the left. Anything that conservatives want to investigate is a bunch of recycled conspiracy theories. Now, in the last Congress, any attempt to criticize the House Democrats in their oversight hearings was considered an attack on democracy. Also, any attempt to criticize the Pelosi pal Republicans like Cheney and Kinzinger, also an attack on democracy. The obvious question remains, will these Democrat groups use MSNBC and the Washington Post to launder their exposés of the Republicans so it looks somehow like a nonpartisan exercise in Pulitzer bait journalism. That would not be a surprise. Conservative Republicans don't turn up for interviews very much on national public radio. And when they do, it can get combative. There can be lots of interruptions and huffing and puffing. And I'm not just talking about from the interviewee. On Friday nights, all things considered, <laughs> stupid name, false name for a show. It's not all things considered. The guest was Newt Gingrich, former House Speaker. The rationale for this interview was Newt arguing that Republicans have been underestimating Joe Biden. And of course, NPR wanted to discuss that. Oh yes, Joe Biden He's been wonderfully effective, and even Newt Gingrich acknowledges it. But anchor Mary Louise Kelly, she couldn't stick to it. She had to turn the story to Trump in 2024 and what Gingrich's advice is for Trump running in 2024. I think Gingrich rather unsurprisingly said he's got to put 2020 behind him and focus on the future. Uh, that's Gingrich's advice for the entire Republican Party. Kelly wasn't having it. And down we went through the Trump rabbit hole. Um, but that has been what he has wanted to talk about. I mean, his repeated false claims about a stolen election, which I have to note you supported uh, and talked about and spread. That, that seemed oh. to fall flat with midterm voters. Is, how big a problem is that for Republicans? Look, I'll be cheerful about coming back sometime and we can devote an entire interview to whether it was a rigged election, not necessarily stolen, but certainly rigged. And we can start with all the Twitter information, and we can start with Zuckerberg's $415 million. I just need to pause you there because it's not me saying this. This is dozens of courts across the U.S. that have that have rejected claims of rigged elections. No, no, they rejected claims of stolen elections. Nobody ever looked at rigging. I just need to pause you there, she says. Yeah. <laughs> I must interrupt. Now, Newt wasn't so combative as to remind the NPR anchor that part of the rigging of the 2020 election could be national public radio and its so-called public editor dismissing the Hunter Biden laptop scoops of the New York Post as a time-wasting non-story. The words they actually used was pure distraction. Now, the Hunter Biden story is only a pure distraction if you're going to say, we never investigate the families of presidential candidates. Now, NPR would never try to say that when you investigate the children of Donald Trump and whatever they're doing to make money, or whatever they're doing inside the government 
when Jared and Ivanka were advisors. You wouldn't say it's a pure distraction to focus on that. But, you know, this is the public editor, and they're all about making sure their left-wing listeners are happy. I mean, the latest public editor article on their website, it ain't about Hunter. It's not about the Twitter files. It's about lefty listeners being upset that somehow NPR was too favorable to the high school football coach in Washington State who won his prayer on the football field case at the Supreme Court. Oh, yes. This is like people who go on Twitter and complain that Chuck Todd should just go to Fox News. Yes, NPR, what a pile of Republicans and centrists. Anyway, Newt Gingrich did keep battling back with Mary Louise Kelly. For the record, do you believe Joe Biden was legitimately elected president? For the record, I believe that he won under the terms that was set up. And I think that the entire elite system cheated in every way they could to defeat Donald Trump. I need to push you on this before we go on. I'm not hearing you say you believe he was legitimately elected. I believe he won under the rules. And I think that the system that elected him did everything it could to rig the game, including, for example, Twitter kicking off the incumbent president of the United States, kicking off the New York Post. I just did a podcast about this Mm -hmm. uh, that we're releasing with a New York Post reporter who can, Miranda Devine, who can walk you through step by step. So uh, when you, you think you think it didn't affect things to have Twitter do that, you don't think it doesn't affect things? Let me have Google refused to deliver Republican fundraising emails. Let me focus you on where we are now, because I heard you making the case. Well, you're the, that, you're the that, one who wanted to go back to the past. I'm happy to debate you about, about the nature of the 2020 campaign. I'm not debating this. you. I'm trying to figure out what you think and why. <laughs> you have to laugh at I'm not debating you. Yes, you are. Now we can go back to November 2, 2020, where we would hear the same Mary Louise Kelly interviewing Stacey Abrams. And while she did tell Abrams, hey, she lost narrowly in 2018, there was no quibbling, and I just need to pause you there, questioning Abrams for her long protest that she didn't actually lose because of voter suppression. Mary Louise Kelly did not use the words repeated false claims about a stolen election when it came to Stacey Abrams, only when it came to Trump. Kelly began the the, uh, interview with this. Nearly 100 million and counting Americans are casting record-breaking numbers of early ballots, putting this 2020 election on track for record-setting levels of voter turnout. Kelly also didn't say, which means, gosh, voter suppression, maybe it's not a thing. Finally, Mrs. Graham and I watched Saturday Night Live uh, on Sunday. You got to tape it. You don't want to sit through the whole thing. Kind of fast forward through the musical guest. Um, Although maybe the musical guest is better than the comedy, because... Mrs. Graham, who is not as political as me, you get to the end of these shows and she was like, that one stunk. I mean, it's like, I almost want to ask her, so why are we still recording it on the DVR? She likes to try to watch it. So the start of Saturday Night Live is this cheesy, unfunny musical skit about Christmas and how when it's Christmas time, you can somehow suppress all of your raging mental problems under the happy veneer of the holiday. 
So Cecily Strong is in there singing about everything that she's going to ignore at Christmas. And it, it, it then it breaks into, surprise, surprise, complaining about Elon Musk. Yeah, mind if we join you and do a little ooze in the background? Oh, sure. And you know we can complain about specific people, too, like Elon. Why does he own all the stuff? Why does he have to run Tesla and Twitter? Was outer space not enough? Right after that, there's a little singing about Hitler. And why does Hitler come back? Then there was something mildly fl- funny where Keenan Thompson said, and why are his new fans black? That's, that's kind of amusing. But it just comes back to where we started today. Liberals cannot stand the idea. They're not in complete control of the national conversation. They want to have a national conversation where people who disagree with them mostly shut up or are ignored. They're all a pile of Anna Navarros. Well, let's tell them. Democracy and free speech means we get to speak too. We get to expose you. We get to argue with you. And that's why you come to Newsbusters. Once, twice, 24 times a day. Thanks for listening.